Well, good morning. Welcome. Glad you're here joining us. Thank you for joining us online. I am Pastor Rich, and I'm thankful that I get to be here with you this morning. Um, Pastor Jerry and Nancy are away for a much-needed, well-deserved time of rest. So I think they went to Georgia. I don't really know all the details. I don't ask all the details, but I think that's where he went. I've been in communication, so he's had a good time um, uh, being able to get away. Um, Before I hop into our message this morning, I just want to take a moment to to pray for just two things real quick. Um, One is, if you guys know um, Sudhir Menon, he shared on one of our videos early on, um, kind of talked about how God brought him to our church. They're from overseas, and they've been here, and their visas did not get renewed. Well, they had to leave this past Saturday. Um, him and his entire family. So I'd like to just pray for them and pray that God will make it, uh, make a way for them to be able to return quickly to the U.S. And then I also wanted to just take a moment to pray for Pastor Jerry. Um, he works so hard, so hard. You know, <clears throat> you guys get to see him here. You see him on videos and those kind of things that he does. Um, but he is always thinking, always <clears throat> working to help this church to be a better church and to really love people. And I just want to pray that he gets the rest that he really needs while he's away. Um, So if you wouldn't mind just praying with me on those two things before I hop into our message this morning. Father, as we are here this morning, we do give you thanks. Uh, I do want to thank you also that we get to live in this country, even with Anything, any issues that are going on and and that kind of thing, I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful that we get to be here in this country and celebrate you this morning. God, I also want to pray for Sudhir and his family, Lord, as they have had to leave the country. Um, I know that's, they knew it was coming, um, but it's still difficult with their kids. I mean, their kids have grown up here, God, and just all that goes Along with that, I just pray that you would provide quick access to come back to the United States. Um, We just pray that you go before them, keep them safe um, as they're traveling, as they're away, and use them wherever they go for the time that they are. But, Lord, we ask that you would bring them back to the U.S. quickly and safely, and we we just want to give you thanks for that. Um, And also, Lord, I just want to take a moment to pray for Pastor Jerry and Nancy and just I thank you for them. I thank you for um, what they mean in my life personally. Um, And I know for so many here in Seminole Church, um, those that watch online, Lord, I just pray that they would get much needed rest, that you would just help them to get everything out of their minds so they can just enjoy this time away to be refreshed, to be able to come back and just with renewed passion and fervor to um, continue to, to build your church. And we just give you thanks for that. Thank you for them. And thank you that we can be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. All right. Well, again, welcome online. Welcome. Um, I'm thankful that I get to share this morning. It's it's a great, great day this morning. Um, As we celebrated our nation's independence yesterday, and we got to celebrate our freedoms But the reality is our real freedom isn't given by the government, obviously, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men 
and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, that's God, with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God is the one who gives us our freedoms. Don't give it away. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about not giving away our freedoms as Christians. The hallmark of being a Christian is freedom. It really is. I just want to shout freedom. I want you to you can shout it with me. No, I'm not going to shout it. I won't do that. But Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. The Bible also says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, you know where the Spirit of the Lord is? In all of us who are believers. So if the Spirit of the Lord is here in us, then there's freedom. Now, again, I'm not talking about our American freedoms, which we could probably go back and forth for hours on if we wanted to, but I don't want to. It's not what we're going to discuss, because here's the reality. No matter what the government does or doesn't do, our true and lasting freedom comes from Jesus, not the government. We live in a great country, but the government's not going to be, shouldn't be the one we look to for our freedoms. It's in Jesus. That's the freedom that I want to talk about. Now, have you noticed that some Christians, after they become believers, lose their spark. Have you ever seen that? You've probably seen that. I've been in ministry a long, long time, and you, you'd be around, you're like, man, somebody, they were so excited, and then it's like it, it just fizzled out. What, what happened? Why is it? Why is it some people start with such great joy and great enthusiasm? They're so fresh, full of vitality. It's like you want to be around them. It's contagious. But after a while, they lose that joy. Why is that? Well, I believe it's because they allow people to steal, to rob their freedom. The freedom that they have in Christ. Now, this morning we're going to look in the book of Galatians. Now, the book of Galatians is all about freedom. It's one of my favorite books to read. All about freedom. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is the one who wrote this book to the Galatians. And the whole theme of this book is don't let anyone steal your freedom. That's what it was about. Because Paul was pretty upset. He was pretty mad about what was going on. Because he had started this church in Galatia. And after he left, this group of people called Judaizers, they came in. And these Judaizers were a group of people who basically said, okay, you can be a Christian but you also have to follow all these rules and regulations that it's fine. Go ahead and be a Christian, but you still got to follow all these rules and regulations that we set up. And Paul was really upset about this. And he wrote the book of Galatians because of this thing that was going on. And it's full of emotion. When you read it, you can see the emotion that Paul had. When you read anything from Paul, you notice he's not the type of person that would really hold anything back. He just said it like it was. In Galatians 5.1, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again. In Galatians 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the good news of Christ. So Paul, in this book of Galatians, what he does and what I want to kind of outline this morning is he mentions that there are three subtle traps that will rob us of our freedom in the Christian life. They will steal our joy. They will steal our freedom. And I would say these are still around today, all around us. So if you want to write this in, this first thing that Paul warns us about in this, in chapter 3, he warns us, beware of becoming a perfectionist. Beware of becoming a perfectionist. Now, some of you are probably like, too late. I've been a perfectionist my whole life. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about how being a perfectionist as a Christian will rob you of your freedom. It will rob you of the joy that you have in Christ. So what is a perfectionist? You'll see there on your outline. I, so if you're smart and you have your outline, you're going to see that you can fill in all the fill-ins before I get there. But that's okay. I just thought I'd put the definition in there anyway. So you'll see what I put there. Perfectionist is believing or trying to please God by being perfect, thinking that I must be perfect in order to please God. How silly is that? But there are a lot of people who feel that way, even as a Christian. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 and 3 says this. And this is, you can see, his passion He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you after beginning with the spirit? You are now trying to attain perfection by human effort. Paul says, you guys have been conned. You've been duped. I I, I gave you what you needed to know and help you grow as a Christian who's conned you and misled you. It's kind of like he's saying they gave you the idea that when you that you become a Christian by grace through faith, but then you have to live the Christian life by works and you've got to be perfect in order for God to like you. Paul says you've been conned. Beware of becoming a perfectionist. Now, maybe for you, maybe this is where it comes from. I know a lot of people grew up with parents who were impossible to please if you got C's. They told you to get B's. If you got B's, they told you to get A's. And if you got A's, they said, well, your teachers were just too easy on you. That's why you got the A's. And no matter what you did, you felt like you could never measure up. And you just weren't good enough to your parents. Because they would just say, well, you're just not making the grade. And so that's kind of internally how you felt. And a lot of people, when they become a Christian, what they do is they transfer the role of their parent onto God. And they see God as they saw that unpleasable parent. And now all of a sudden they're serving an unpleasable God. God is always saying, you can't measure up. That's what they they hear in their head. You can't measure up. Shape up. Get with it. And no matter how much you serve the Lord, the perfectionist feels like it's just never enough. It's it's not enough. I've got to keep on doing more. Paul says that will steal your joy as a Christian. That's perfectionism. It's, it's feeling like everything's got to be just perfect. They imagine God as this big nag in the sky. Always like pointing the finger down, you know, if you don't do this or you don't do that or you do that, then I'm going to break your dishwasher. That's why my dishwasher broke, because I didn't do this or that. But 
Nagging doesn't work at home. Nagging doesn't work at church. God is not a nag. That's not who he is. It doesn't work for God. The, the favorite words of a perfectionist are, I should, I must, I ought to. Because you can never relax. Because you, you feel like you always have to keep pushing and striving to be better and better. Now, don't hear me wrong when I'm talking in this message. Should we strive to be better? Absolutely. But there has to be a balance in that and knowing what we can do and what we can't do. But, but in this, a perfectionist, they, they feel they just have to keep on, keep on, striving to be better and better. And I would say that perfectionism is based on a fear of God rather than an actual, really, a love of God. Now, we should have a, a respect and an awe for God. But that shouldn't drive us. It should be God's love for us that drives us to serve him and to love him and to follow him. So what is the result of perfectionism? Well, perfectionism destroys your peace. What happens is your relationship to God, and, and I see this in, in so many lives I've seen this, your relationship to God becomes a burden rather than a blessing. And so people are just like, what, what's the point? Why, why am I even doing this? The Christian life becomes frustrating rather than fulfilling. And you feel like I can never measure up. And then we wonder why. Johnny, who was doing, was on fire, slipped away because they tried, they were trying and trying and trying, and they just felt like they could never measure up. Paul says to them, you foolish Galatians. If Paul was here, he'd be saying, you foolish Floridians or you foolish Americans. Because the reality is, I'll never measure up to God. Should I strive to be like him? Absolutely. But God's perfect and I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. We can't measure up to God. That's why God is, that's, he's God. We're not. I want to be like him, but I'm not him. You're not him. Don't try to be perfect. So what's the solution? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, my grace. I want you to circle grace in that. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you don't get anything else I say this morning, get this. And I hope you know this, that God loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. He loves you on your good days. He loves you on your bad days. He loves you when you have a quiet time. And guess what? God loves you when you don't have a quiet time. Does God want you to have the quiet time? Yes, because he wants to spend time with you. But so many the perfectionists would say, oh, I didn't have my quiet time. God doesn't love me anymore. That's just not, that's not the truth. He loves you even when you don't have a quiet time. He loves you when you blow it. His love is not based on our behavior. It's based on his character and who he is. It's unconditional. We can't earn it. We've never been able to earn it. He loves us even when we don't feel very lovely. And there's a lot of times I don't feel very lovely. But to know that God loves me in spite of me not feeling very lovely is comforting. Paul says, forget this trap of perfectionism because it will ruin your joy as a Christian. In Hebrews chapter 12, I don't have this verse on there, but in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, that Jesus 
is the perfecter of our faith. Who's the perfecter? Me? Uh, No. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. There's another. It's one of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6. It says that he who began the work in you will bring it to completion. Who? Me? I? No. Jesus is the perfecter. Jesus began it. He will finish it. So let him do it. Let him do his job. We're along for the ride. Should I strive to be like him? Should I strive to do better? Absolutely, I should strive to do better and be like him. But I'm not perfect, and God doesn't expect me to be perfect. It's his job. And even in our weaknesses, God uses us. God uses even the weaknesses in your life for good. He turns them around and brings good out of them. I mean, that whole series we did on Joseph, we see a lot of messed up stuff that went on, and God used it all for good. Paul says, forget that trap. So what's the point that I'm trying to make? And it's this, is that Christian living, living is based on grace, not guilt. If you feel guilty, I would say you're missing the point. It's not about guilt. He doesn't, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is what the Bible says. Then why am I feeling guilty? If, I'm, if I do the wrong thing, should I repent and not do that again and, and apologize to whoever if I need to apologize? A hundred percent so. But then I move away and I'm done. God's taking care of it. He, it we're, we're done with it. So if you're always feeling guilty for whatever reason, that's not Christian living. You're missing the point of, the, of Christian living. So Paul says in chapter 3, beware of the danger, the trap of being a perfectionist. In the next chapter, chapter 4, he mentions another subtle trap that will rob us of our joy, our freedom as Christians. So if you want to write this in, this is the second thing he's telling us to beware of. And it's this, beware of becoming a legalist. Beware of becoming a legalist. So a perfectionist is somebody who's trying to please God by being perfect. A legalist is measuring my maturity by the number of rules that I keep. Anybody know any rule keepers? You like rules and the rules are there? Yeah. Many people think that God sits up in heaven with this, this great big scale. And I kind of grew up thinking this way, that God has these scales. And if my, in the one hand is the bad things I do, and the other hand, the other scale is the good things I do. Now, if my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff, well, then God likes me and my dishwasher doesn't break. Right? But if my bad stuff starts to, and this is in my mind, outweighs my good stuff in my life, well, then I'm just not cutting it and I'm not going to make it. So forget it. And then my dishwasher broke because my bad stuff outweighed my good. And, that, and that's where this legalism thing happens. Yet the Bible says, beware of being a legalist. Now, a lot of us, we love do's and don'ts, don't we? We, we love to make these little lists of do's and don'ts. Maybe you're a list maker. But have you noticed one of the problems of making lists of do's and don'ts is that my list usually doesn't match your list, does it? You know, you hear the saying, I don't drink, smoke, cuss, chew, or hang around with girls that do. I don't do anything. Maybe that's your list. I don't know. But one group says, we don't believe in wearing makeup. 
And then another group says, well, it's okay to wear makeup, but you just can't dance. Another group says, it's okay to dance, but you can't smoke. Another group says, well, you can smoke, but you just can't go to the movies. You, you see, that's the problem with making these lists, and especially if it's in, in the church, and young people or young believers become believers, and they're so confused by why is what? I don't, I don't get it. Why is this person saying that and that? What, what is actually accurate? Everybody's got their little lists of rules and regulations, and they become tied down by these lists of rules and regulations. Paul says in Galatians 4, 9, Now that you know God, how is it, again, this is his passion, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved all over again? Paul's saying you have forfeited your freedom. When you became a Christian, Jesus set you free. He set us free. Jesus said, I came to set people free. But after becoming a Christian, this is what he's saying, but because after becoming a Christian, now you're going back to those rules, those regulations, those rituals that tied you down in the first place. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't work your way to stay saved. Why would anybody want to do that? This is the trap of legalism. In Romans chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, I, I love this, this translation of this verse. It says, they are trying to make themselves good enough to gain God's favor by keeping laws and customs. But that is not God's way of salvation. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust him. I love this. I'm going to read that again. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust him Everything that they were trying to get by keeping the laws, Christ ends all of that. You hear what he's saying? I love that. So I want you to circle that last phrase, Christ ends all of that. And then circle the word trying and circle trusting. Because the Christian life is not guilt, it's grace. The Christian life is not trying, it's trusting. Because all the things that you're trying to do, what did that verse say? Christ ends all of that. If you're a believer in Christ, it's all finished. He is the fulfillment of the law. That's who he is. In Jesus' day, it was a very legalistic and rigid society. No, more, no society was no more controlled probably than they were. In New Testament Palestine, there were, there were rules and there were the spiritual policemen, we'll call them, that were called the Pharisees. And basically the Pharisees went around with their little clipboards to make sure that everybody was doing all the things that they were supposed to be doing or not doing the things they weren't supposed to be doing. It reminds me of that. What is that newest commercial? Is it, is it the Geico commercial where they're in the neighborhood of the lady? The lady's in the neighborhood and she's walking around with her clipboard and she like saws the mailbox off. Oh, too progressive or whatever it is. Two feet too tall or whatever it is, you know. Chops down the bushes that are hanging. Can't have those. That's what the Pharisees would have been like. They would have been walking around with their ruler like, oh, your grass is too long. You've got to mow that. That would have been the Pharisees. That's the kind of people they were. Checking on everybody. They were very legalistic. They had thousands of rules and regulations. They, you know, they had the Ten Commandments originally. But they made hundreds and hundreds of commandments around those commandments so that they wouldn't break those commandments. That's how rigid they were. And they kept score on everybody. They were very judgmental 
and critical and intolerant. But here's the great thing. Jesus went right to those Pharisees and said, you guys are a bunch of phonies. He just, that's one of the reasons they didn't like him, because he just, you guys are phonies. You guys make a bunch of rules that you can't even keep yourselves. That's not what God wants. See, God wants relationship, not rules, because he realized the rules don't work. I can obey your rules, and inside I'm rebelling, because you don't know what I'm thinking or saying. That's what rules often do. That's it's the relationship that counts in the Christian life. He says, beware of this legalism. And, and legalism is still around today. People love to make rules and lists to measure their maturity. And guess what? They're measuring yours too. By their list and their rules. And the way they measure themselves, they're measuring you. Paul wrote the book of Galatians to say, don't become a perfectionist. Don't become a legalist where rules and regulations make up your Christian life because you will be so tied down. You won't feel free, and you'll wonder, well, I thought the Christian life was supposed to be about freedom. I don't feel very free right now. So what is the result of legalism? Well, in that chapter of 4 of Galatians 4, it's the inevitable consequence. Um, Paul basically asks, what happened to all your joy? He was seeing it. What happened to your joy? He was noticing that you were this way when I left and I came back. And what has happened to your joy? Well, you're being, you know, controlled and being trying to be perfectionist. You're trying to be legalists. If you want something to kill your life, concentrate on the rules rather than the relationship with Jesus. Legalists are seldom happy. They're critical. They're always looking for what's wrong. And they're a killjoy. See, what we have to understand, and that's why Pastor Jerry says it's so important, we should be reading our Bibles um, a lot, just so we know. The law was never meant to bring life. You realize that. The law was meant to bring death. It was meant to show us that we don't measure up, because there was one person that does, and that's Jesus. And he came to fulfill that law. He measured up. It was meant so that Jesus could bring life and salvation. It was never meant to keep us saved or to make us saved. He says, and this is what Paul is saying to them, what happened to your joy? See, you lose your focus and you lose your joy if you focus on rules. So if you want to do what's right, look at Galatians 5.14. It says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. And it's this. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus quoted this several times in Scripture. And somebody came to him one day and said, If you could summarize the whole Bible, what would you say? Jesus said, This is simple. If you want to summarize the whole Bible, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I can just tell you one thing that I know to be true. Our world, our country right now would be a different place if we would just love God and love people. We make it so complicated. It doesn't have to be this complicated. If we would just love God and love people, it would be so different. And I, and I 
And I can't speak for God, but I'm sure God is in heaven looking down, going, if they would just love God and love people, that we wouldn't be dealing with all this stuff. It would be a whole different place. But I guess that's why this isn't heaven. The Christian life is based on these relationships, not rules. It's my relationship to God. Do I love God? It's my relationship to other people. Do I really love other people? If I love God and I love other people, then I then I got it. We try to make it so hard and so complicated. It doesn't have to be. It's so simple. Love God, love people. That summarizes everything. I know a lot of people who keep a lot of laws and a lot of rules, but they don't love God and they don't love people because they're unloving people. That's the difference. All right, well, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, all right, so are you telling me there are no rules for us to keep as a Christian? Well, obviously there are. I mean, there are rules as a Christian. Look at Galatians 5.13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But here he says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It's not talking about a license to do whatever you want. It's talking about liberty. As a Christian, there's liberty. So here, here's how I, this is so simple. It really is simple. And we, what we can teach our kids, this is so simple. If what I want to do is going to help me to love God and love people, then I'm going to do it. If what I want to do is not going to help me love God or love people, then I'm not going to do it. Isn't that simple? I mean, that's the easy way to do this. That, that, it's so simple. Love has its rules, but and here he's saying, beware of becoming a legalist, just like you need to beware of becoming a perfectionist. There's one other trap that will rob the joy and rob the freedom of our Christian life. And this is in the next chapter in Galatians in chapter 5. And if you want to write this in, this is what Paul is warning us. Beware then of becoming a conformist. Beware of becoming a conformist. Well, what's a conformist? Conformist is living to please others rather than God. Now, for people who have a people-pleasing type personality, it can be very easy to be a conformist without even realizing you're being a conformist. This is something that I struggle with and have struggled with in the past. The primary concern, though, of a conformist is what will other people think? How do I look? How do I look to other Christians? How do I look to everybody else? Forget a, I'm forgetting about what God thinks, and I'm just worrying about what, what everybody else thinks. That's a conformist. I'm trying to impress you by the way that I act. In the Bible, Paul says this is a trap. And even in Proverbs 29, 25a, this is such a good one. You can memorize this short little part and just remember that fearing people is a dangerous trap. Because it never ends if that's what you're going to do. And that means when I start worrying more about what other people think than what God thinks, I'm in trouble. I start worrying about the opinions of others and I let that begin to manipulate me and conform me. I worry more about conforming to what other people think of me more than I worry about conforming to the image of Christ. And that's who I should be worried about becoming like. And there's this little misbelief about conformity that I think we need to expose. And it's the, the misbelief that I need to have the approval of everyone to be loved or to be liked. 
to to be liked, I have to have your approval if if I'm going to be happy, and that's that's totally a misconception, um, because what that does is that causes us to act different ways around different people. Then we're really not who we are, because you're never going to please everybody. Do you realize that God can't please everybody? I mean, he could if he made us robots, but he didn't. He gave us all free will. Because the thing is, once group A, you get group A all happy, now group B is mad. And then when group B, oh, oh, I'll try to get group B all happy. And when they're happy, now group A is mad. It's a never-ending thing. You're a hero, and then you become the zero really fast. Here's the and if you go on just watching any news, which I try not to, but if you watch the news or even on social media, fame and applause and public opinion are fleeting. They truly are. You will see somebody that's like, yay. The next day, it's like, put them under the bus because we don't like them anymore. I mean, it's it's just that crazy of how fast that goes. You can't base your life on the opinions of other people. And conformity, like perfection and legalism, will rob the joy and freedom in your life if you let it do that. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. It says this, you are running, this is Paul again, you are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you into freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Paul says this same thing can happen in our Christian life if we're not careful, if we don't watch out. We can get tripped up. We can lose our freedom. We can lose our joy. We can lose this excitement in the Christian life. And Paul says to these Galatians, he says, what happened to you guys? You were doing so great. When I left there, it was like things were amazing. And I left and what is going on? Well, what happened is they started looking at other people rather than looking to the Lord. They started looking around at what everybody else thought, and they began to conform themselves to the, to the people because their eyes got off of, of Jesus. And, and that's what we do. We start worrying about what other people think, and we get our eyes off of Jesus, and we start looking around and go, well, what do they think of me? What do they think about this or what I say or what I wear? This is one of the reasons I love being around new Christians, being around new believers, because new believers couldn't care less typically what people think. They're just so happy and so excited to be believers. You know, those are the funnest ones. Like when we used to do like um, way back in the day, uh, we would do like we take students and we do these door to door evangelism type things. And. Kids that were brand new believers, like, you know, some of the kids have been believers for a while, whatever. You know, they're kind of like shy in a way. The ones that were like brand new believers are like, let me at them. They were like, you know, the dogs ready to get to the door. Let me at them because they were just, they had this passion, this excitement. You know, they're praying, they're thanking God. They have this, this great attitude. They really don't, most of the time, they really don't care what other people think. They just want to please the Lord. But I've seen it happen over and over again, eventually. They start, they start looking around, and they start noticing. Now, I just want to say something real quick as I share this part. Don't hear me wrong. I think that we should absolutely, all of us should have older mentors in our lives to help us grow, that we model their habits 
so that we can be better Christians. So it's the thought of as they're following Jesus, we follow them as they're following Jesus to be more like Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is these new believers who just kind of start looking around and they're more worried about seeing what other people are doing and they just kind of look at them and I want to, you know, okay. So they start noticing how older Christians act or older Christians respond, how older Christians pray, how older Christians talk, the phrases that they even use. They eventually start picking up those phrases and, you know, all of a sudden instead of just talking to God like, normal all of a sudden it becomes this weird talk it's like where did that come from well i heard it from so-and-so you know so they they kind of conform and they pick up christian cliches you know we have those right so i'm going to pause because i feel we, we should interpret some of the cliches real quick so if, if you're watching online or in here if you're a brand new believer or maybe not even a believer at all and you've heard people say some of these cliches in their lives we're just going to interpret real quick and then we'll keep on going so when people say, it was glorious, you know what they really mean is, I had fun. That was a good time. We had a lot of fun. Or if they say, I was grieved in my spirit, really what they're saying is it ticked me off. So you just know what people are saying, so you don't have to say those. Or it was a real blessing. It just means it was enjoyable. We had a good time. Sometimes we have to translate these Christian cliches because we speak Christianese and young people or young Christians, they're trying to figure out what is all this? Yeah, we don't have to say all that. Or if you do hear it, just translate it for them so they know what it means so that they don't lose their joy. What happens is oftentimes these new believers, they, they lose their spark. They lose their freshness of being a baby believer. Are we to grow? Are we to mature? A hundred percent. But let's not lose our joy. Let's not lose our spark. It's like new Christians. If you say Jesus is coming, they're not like, well, is it pre, post, mid, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They don't really care. They don't get theological. They're like, maybe Jesus is coming back today. And they're excited about that. Maybe he's coming now. Paul's saying the moment you start worrying about impressing other Christians, you've had it. You're locked in. If perfectionism doesn't get you trying to be perfect then legalism will get you. Measuring your maturity by these rules and these regulations that you keep, that if I avoid these things, therefore I must be a good Christian. If that doesn't get you, then conformity will get you. And you start worrying about what other people think and you start looking at these other Christians rather than looking to the Lord. Yes, we should have people in our lives that help us grow, but if we're looking to them for everything instead of Jesus, because they're human, they could let us down. He should be the one we're looking to first and foremost. So what is the cause of conformity? Simple. It's simply this comparing. It's when we compare. When we begin comparing ourselves to others is when we get in trouble. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Paul says, of course we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly. How stupid they are. I love Paul. He's so good. They make up their own standards to measure themselves by, and they judge themselves by their own standards. God's saying it's dumb to compare yourself to other believers. It's just foolish because each of us is different. In that verse I shared a little bit ago, it said, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. What is he saying there? Conformity like yeast will spread. 
spreads quickly. It's infectious. It takes over. It can affect your life. It can affect your family. It can affect an entire church. And everybody gets the same mindset, and it spreads. So beware of that. So what's the solution? Well, I think that Paul would say, I think that God would say, be yourself. Be you. Stop comparing yourself to other people and just be yourself. I think that's one of the dangers of reading like Christian biographies or those kind of things. Again, don't hear me wrong. I think we should read, we should study, we should learn from those that have gone before us or you know, whoever our favorite Christian author is and learn from them. But it's a danger is that when we read Christian biographies or these books, what happens is pretty soon we try to be just like that person. And when we do what I would say a lot of times is gift projection, um, I'll explain what that is. It's, it's like, okay, you see somebody like Billy Graham who has all this faith, and he's a great communicator, and you think, well, maybe I could be just like Billy Graham. And so you go out and you try to be Billy Graham, and you fall flat on your face, and you're like, Lord, what happened? Well, you didn't have the same gifts and abilities that Billy Graham had. It didn't work out the same because you weren't being you. Or maybe somebody has a gift of mercy and they start trying to be like that person and all of a sudden it just doesn't work out because they were like a Paul and they didn't have a gift of mercy. There was no mercy coming out and they wonder why it didn't work out. Everyone has different gifts. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. It was given to you the day you became a believer. You also have talent, you have abilities that God has given you. Maybe you don't even know what those are. But you were given that at the moment of becoming a believer. Now, part of your Christian life is to discover and develop those gifts. Whenever we can get back to some normalcy and having classes again, that's one of the things we do in our 301 class is, um, is ministry matters. As we, we learn, we help you develop your, the gifts that you have. It's important to know and develop that. The Bible says also that we need each other. The hand can't say to the foot. I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the ear, I don't need you. And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. In the body of Christ, we need each other. I need you and you need me. If I don't share whatever gifts that God has given me with you, then, then I'm robbing you of that. If you're not sharing your gifts with me, then you're robbing me. That's one of also things that we talk about in our 201 class is how we need each other. We are better together. We all need each other in the body of Christ. The problem is, a lot of times we're too busy conforming to others and what other people think than really developing who we are and who God created us to be. You know, it's really easy for me to look at certain pastors and like, oh, I want to be just like that. That's a trap because I'm not that person. I need to be who I am. Can I learn some things? Absolutely, I can learn some things. But I'm me. I'm not them. So the solution is be yourself. Galatians 6.4 says, Each one of you should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. When you get to heaven one day, God's not going to say to you, Why weren't you more like Billy Graham? Or why weren't you more like Moses? Or why weren't you more like... Fill in the blank with your favorite Christian hero, whoever that is. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say to me, Rich, why weren't you more like Pastor Jerry? He's going to say, Rich, why weren't you more like you? 
I created you to be you. Why weren't you more like you? God made me to be me. God made you to be you. And all the circumstances in your life, even the bad things, don't you think that God knew about them? Yeah, his hand, he knows. Again, the whole series that we were in all about Joseph, there was a lot of bad stuff that went on. God's hand was all over that. So even in these, the difficult early times in your life, the problems that maybe you're going through right now, God has had a hand in it. He's making you unique for a purpose. Even in this time that we're living in when it feels like, what is going on? How can, how can this be used for anything? One day we're going to look back and we're going to go, wow. Some of us are going to go, we missed so much that we could have done. And other, others of us are just going to be able to go and go, wow, look at what God did in all of that stuff. He's making you unique for a purpose, even in the season that we are in. Don't miss it. Let's not have it as much as it's not fun right now. Let's not rush through it and miss what God might be trying to do in this season. But here's what I want to say. If you don't be you, who's going to be you? You need to be who you are. You're not one in a million. You're one in seven plus billion. You're unique. And God has a specific purpose and design for you. So if you don't be you, who's going to be you? The problem is we spend so much of our time trying to be liked by others. And we give so much of ourselves and our uniqueness and our individuality by trying to be like other people. And I would say that social media is one of the biggest traps of this nowadays especially for young people. They're trying to conform so much to what they think they should be that it's really messing them up. And we as adults can do the same thing. We can get online and argue all day long about whatever and then try to conform to whatever somebody wants or says because we, we want to make them happy. And it's a trap. We need to be ourselves. That's the trap of conformity that will cause us to lose our joy. Now, now for me, um, and my wife, you know, she would even say it, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, I, I think maybe early on in ministry, especially, I tried to fake it a little bit. You know, that saying, fake it till you make it. I felt like there's a lot of times I better fake it because I don't know if I'm going to make it. But, um, you know, now it's just you kind of like, all right, this is just who I am and I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to be I'm not going to try to be somebody that I'm not. Um, I've been public speaking for about 16 years here at the church. Um, and I can tell you, I still get nervous every time I speak. Sometimes it scares me to death to think about even my own inadequacies. And I can tell you, and I don't know if this happens to other pastors who speak on a regular basis, but I can tell you the week leading up to speaking is one of the hardest weeks because not only do my inadequacies come into my mind the whole time, like, who are you, thinking that you should be up there talking, especially, like, if, if I'm having, like, a spat with my wife or, you know, this with my kids or whatever. I'm thinking, man... I'm the wrong person. But not only that, but then you, and then you got the devil whispering in your ear going, hey, you 
suck. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You know, and it's, it's all those, and so it's those inadequacies that come. But you know what I've realized that over the years, because that's an every, that's an every time thing before, you, before me anyway personally. It's probably my insecurities. Yet what I find in my own weakness is that God blesses other people. You know, and that's what the scripture that I read, that it's his power is perfected in our weakness. If we'll just let him use our weaknesses. God wants to take your greatest weakness and turn it into his greatest strength, into a strength. You know, if people were to say to me that I'm a good communicator, it's probably because I'm scared to death and I don't want to mess up. You know, I get stage fright. Do you realize it's the feeling that every time, and I'm just being vulnerable, every time that you get up here, especially because I'm the guest speaker, that's a lot of pressure to be the guest speaker, to come up here and you feel like you have to hit a home run every time you're up here. So even if I didn't, just tell me I did, okay? No, that would be conforming and we're not going to do that, no. But you feel like you have to do that. I mean, it's a couple things. It's because, well... You know, I feel a huge responsibility to you. I feel a huge responsibility to Pastor Jerry. But I feel an even bigger responsibility to God that I, that I want to honor him. But at the same time, I don't want somebody to go to Jerry and go, Hey, next time Rich is speaking, would you let me know ahead of time? I'm going to go to the beach that week. I'd rather that not happen. There's a lot of pressure to try to do this. Could you imagine going to your job every week? And maybe you do feel this way, but going to your job every week and feeling like that you have to hit a home run and be at the top of your game every single time, it's kind of scary. It's a little bit of pressure. Okay, I know I'm definitely not perfect. I'm not the greatest communicator. But what I hope that God will do is just that God will use it and that he will use it to bless other people. And I would say our dream for Seminole is that we would have a church where people have the freedom to be real, warts and all, hang-ups, problems, difficulties, where people can say, look, I'm just not making it right now. Somebody help me. And no one's going to judge that person or put them down, but they're going to be loved and accepted because we realize that we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. The fact is, everyone here is a sinner. You are. You knew that, right? Yeah. Everyone here is a sinner. Everyone watching online is a sinner. We've all blown it. No one is perfect. I know that. You know that. We know it from personal experience. Nobody really has to tell us that. None of us is better than anybody else. And at Seminole Church, what we're trying to do is build a fellowship that is based on grace not guilt. That is based on trusting, not trying. Do I want to be better? Yes, I strive to be better. But it's, I'm going to be better because I'm trusting in Jesus. It's built on relationships, not rules. Our church is a family. And I would say, and I would say, Pastor Jerry would say the same thing. I invite you to join along with us. We're not perfect. No church is perfect. But I think we're headed in the right direction.
We are better together. That's why we say that, because we really feel that. John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Don't let anyone steal that from you. You are free as a follower of Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As a believer, you have the Spirit in you. The Spirit cannot thrive in a perfectionist, legalist, conforming society or body. Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See how simple the Christian life is? The only thing that counts is not how many people we can pack into a room or not how many people we have watching online. The only thing that counts is not how many times I've read the Bible, although it's important to read my Bible, or not how many people I've won to the Lord, although that is important. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's true freedom. That's where true freedom comes from. I believe, probably now more than ever, that we can make a difference in our country, in our part of the world, if we will live this freedom out and truly love God and love people. I'm going to pray for us. Father, we do thank you this morning that we can be here. God, I think as human beings, it's so easy for us to do these things. It's so easy to be a perfectionist. It's so easy to be a legalist. It's so easy for us to want to conform. I pray for everyone in this room that's here physically, for everyone who's online watching. If you're struggling with any of these, perfectionism, legalism, or conformity, and you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to say this prayer for you. Maybe you just pray this yourselves. Just say, God, I'm done with trying to do these things. I'm done. I'm trusting. I want to live in true freedom this morning and for the rest of my life, and I'm not going back. If there's times where I start to lean back into those things, help me to remember that I have freedom in you. Help me to remember to love you and to love others. That's what's most important. And maybe for some of you this morning, you have never given your lives over to Jesus. That's where true freedom starts. Maybe your prayer this morning will just be, Jesus, I need you. I admit that I'm a sinner. Pastor Rich just told me I was. So I admit that. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And today I'm choosing to follow you. Make that your prayer and begin a true life of freedom. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that we can be here physically. Thank you that we can be here online. Thank you for technology that we can do that. And may you receive all the glory as we go out and we love you and love people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, thank you for joining us online. We're so glad that you are with us. Hopefully you will join in with us next week um, and have a great Sunday.